the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we are back. The time is 6.08 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. All the lines are open. one 367 let us Let's wrap up this uh, second hour, you guys, with some dialogue. Give me a call. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. There was some great calls in the previous hour, talking about resolutions, talking about ideas for moving out into a more productive and obedient life this year. Here are a few more thoughts that I can impose upon you while you call. Uh, Kevin says, "Get your vacation plans uh, firmed up. Make the arrangements now." <clears throat> Then start saving. And remember, it's usually better to spend money on experience and memories as opposed to stuff. I think he's right about that. Uh, Sometimes we can get so caught up in um, just working every day, paying the bills, and uh, as if those are actually the primary things that work is for uh, and not um, an opportunity to kind of get away. It doesn't take a whole lot of money uh, to go on a weekend excursion um, or a um, a vacation uh, down the road. It just doesn't take a lot. Uh, and if you haven't done it because you're kind of a workaholic and it's it's one of those things where you just rarely do make it something that you do more frequently this year. I know that when we're younger couples and we are raising children, it's very hard. It was hard for myself and my wife to do that a whole lot with the kids. We try to do something once a year. But sometimes we could look up and we hadn't done anything in maybe a year or two. As we're older now and we're freer for ourselves, and that might be the case for those of you who are listening, uh, Barbara and I, we seek to get out every couple months, every three months or so, and just go somewhere for a weekend. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, we were we went out uh, with some uh, loved ones. Uh, my leadership, by the way, went out and uh, listened to some really good jazz music and stayed at the Embassy Suite in Napa. And we said, whoa, Napa's a pretty cool place. We need to... Uh, Need to start looking into Napa as a spot to um to to spend a short getaway on and uh, and so yeah uh, Napa um, that trip was really nice it was a small reprieve we got up and ate some breakfast after an evening of uh, entertainment and then gradually made our way back home it was refreshing you can do that. It doesn't cost a whole lot. You can do that, and I think that you should do it. Break the monotony. Break the monotony. Three lines open, one 367 Give me a call. Let me know what your views about 2018 are, what, what you are going to do to walk in a greater sense of honor and authority before God as a child of God in the freedoms that you have, uh, particularly with the privileges of being an American citizen and making a gainful employment. I hope that's the case for you. Uh, and use it to be a blessing to others. So, yeah, get your vacation plans firmed up. Make the arrangements now. Uh, then start saving. And here's another one that he says, clear off a work day sometime in the next year and surprise your family by staying home. If you're one of those guys who don't work at home, I do. I get a chance to work at home um, because of technology. And uh, so my kids see me all the time um, until I have to go to the office and deal with certain things. But if you're away, 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 
um, take more opportunities this year to stay at home. Just, you know, stay at home, do nothing, sit around, drink coffee, eat, chat with the kid, chat with the wife, tell the wife to stay home too. It's not absolutely virtuous. I can tell you this, child of God, it is not absolutely virtuous to always be a, be gone from home. That is not virtuous. It's one of the things we're going to talk about this year, honoring the home. Because you see, we there's so many twisted ideas we have that that invade our thoughts, part of the evil fowls of the air lodging in the, the branches of our mind. Got to find that. Um, that 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 move us to 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 um, dishonor the things that God wants us to honor, like home, just being at home, managing home, loving home, adoring home, being home. <laughs> yep. So many things lure us away from those things that God loves. I've got three lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Here's another one. I like this one. Circle pie day on your calendar. Circle pie day on your calendar. It make plans to bring pie to an assisted living facility or to your neighbor's house. I love this. Listen now. Um, the reality is, is that God gives us several resources, several supplies of grace, several tools by which we can serve him. And he's also laid out the framework and form and shape and pattern of our faith in terms of its expression. He's done that. Mature believers worship. Mature believers fellowship. Mature believers gather collectively with the body of Christ. Mature believers do. Mature believers engage in Bible study. Mature believers engage in prayer. Mature believers engage in charitable services. Mature believers do. That's just the way that it really is. You look in the Bible, that's what they do. That's what we do. That's, these are the ones who are going to actually end up going to the places that Christ said go and doing what Christ said did and being honored by Christ as having done that. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's just, it's just that simple. If your faith doesn't look like that, you're in trouble. So just this year, just ask God to give you the faith of God's elect, to give you saving faith, to give you a faith that looks like the Bible. That's the only kind of faith that's going to pass the test. But now this brother said, take some pies to our uh, um, our uh, convalescent homes. I'm down with that. Can you imagine how blessed? First, you got to find out whether or not the pies can get in there without it being some kind of, um, you know, some kind of uh, code or problem with it ethically and, and uh, you know, in terms of. Uh, uh, food stuff like that, you know, because you don't want to get those people sick. But in in fact, if you do have a way, and, and this is really what I wanted to say about that before I go to the phone line, is that there are a lot of you who have never, ever done convalescent ministry. You haven't done street ministry. You haven't done anything. At all. But you're Christian. I'm not talking about you guys are raising babies and got a ton of babies on your shoulder, back and legs, particularly your mama's. But even then, I guarantee you, if you knew how to drag them along, you could show them what it looks like to to love on people empathetic, sympathetically and empathetically and uh, in terms of charitable services. And it will do our kids a whole lot of good in terms of them not growing up selfish and, and bent on their own agenda. And yep, there's a lot to be done. There are convalescent homes all over the place. We did some uh, some outreach ministry two weeks ago, the week before Christmas, three weeks ago. Our ministry is called And One Ministries, where we go out and share the gospel and give people material and encourage them to come to church 
as all churches should be doing. Uh, And we discovered two convalescent ministries right near our church. Did not know it. Two convalescent ministries. And we do convalescent ministry now, but we've got two more that we are strategically committed to sending some of our brothers and sisters to go down and pray and to sing and to encourage. I did that with my kids. My kids would follow me into the convalescent home and we would sing and pray and preach. And you know what? That's Matthew 25. When I was sick, when I was in prison, when I was homeless. You did these things for me. Just that simple. Three lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Let me go to line number one and talk with Jermaine. Jermaine, are you there? What's your thoughts and, and, and questions and comments today, sir? Hey, how you doing, Pastor Jesse? I'm great. What's up? Good, good. Um, so uh, the the show is the the title of the show. Um, I overheard you. Um, I just turned on the radio not too long ago. It, it, it is about honoring. Is that correct? Right. Okay. And so the the question that I had in my mind is that um, are how could I say this? Um, the if if do, are you sure? Are, are, do you know that the uh, true name of Jesus is Yahshua? No, that's not the true name. That is not the true name. No. Right. So I'll honor you by letting you know that um, the notion of a mere Hebrew expression of the name Yeshua or Yoshua or Yahshua, which are derivatives of the Tetragrammaton, or at least the derivatives of the Hebrew terms for Joshua in the Old Testament. Is your, is your, oh, let me see, I can tell, is your radio on? Uh, no, I think it's all the way off. Okay, good. Right, so. It's, it's, on, it's, it's on, but I have, the, I have the volume all the way down. Okay, good, because I'm hearing an echo. In any event, so here's what I would say to you, and, and I would love to spend more time explaining the fundamental era of the secret name of God uh, groups that are out there talking about Jesus is not the real name. The fundamental flaw in that is that they deny the historicity of the Greek New Testament and the historicity of the Greek culture as being the uh, historical context in which Jesus actually lived and did ministry. And as a consequence of them actually denying the New Testament Greek text, they have abandoned the fundamental gospel, everything around it. So when you talk about uh, a grammatical construction around the use of the term J, which is an English word that is a derivative of a um, German word that is a derivative of the Latin, which is a derivative of the Greek um, which is the gamma or the um, iota. Um, those words have been around for a long time. They were silent. That is the soft use of the J becoming the Y or the Yah. But they've been around for a long time. And in fact, the J has been around hieroglyphically all the way back to the Egyptian culture. So the notion that the letter J didn't come into existence except for the last 400 years is one of the fundamental errors of that whole system that has revised history in order to create an argument around the secret name of God, Yahweh, or the secret name of Yeshua, or Mashiach, um, Yeshua, or Yeshua, or several derivatives of that name. 
So what I am saying is that when you when you really listen to these groups and I've listened to them for years, they are in utter contradiction among themselves as to how to express the Old Testament Hebrew. Do you know, Jermaine, that the Old Testament Hebrew uh, was a silent language, a, a language that lost its vocality for many hundreds of years between the Testaments when Israel was devastated in 587 B.C. So that by the time we get to the New Testament era, the birth of Christ, somewhere between between um, BC four and his death in AD thirty three, um, we are speculating as to how the Hebrew language was um, articulated. Did you know that? I didn't. I didn't even. I didn't, I didn't even get what you're saying at all. Um, how come? If, if you can, if, uh, I, it was just too many, too many uh, words at, at one time. Am I? Am I clear? Um, am I clear on the radio? You're clear on yeah. You're oh. definitely clear on the Okay, radio. so let me say this again, just a little bit, and you can you can listen. To- I need any more uh, layman's terms. I would say. Yeah. Well. Right. So, like, if you if you're talking about the letter J, like the word just the word Jesse and the word Jermaine. May I say that? May I say, may I say that? Uh, as far as what I've heard is that the 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 sounding of the letter J is only 500 years old, not the letter J itself. Right. And what I'm saying to you is that's not true and neither does it matter. It, so it, it does not matter. I don't, I don't understand why, why it wouldn't matter. Right. Because you're talking. Hold on, Jermaine, because you're talking translation. Go ahead, please. Right. You're talking translation. So like I stated, uh, if you wanted somebody to call you uh, Jeremiah or, or Jermaine, um, mm-hmm. you would be being ignorant. Do you know why? Why is that? Because you would be asking people to um, articulate to you in the Hebrew or the Aramaic construction of the use of the J there, and even the whole name Jermaine, uh, as opposed to in the English, which is the common vernacular that we all speak in, which language God honors, meaning that God gave us all the languages that we have in order to express our views through our language groups. It would not. Okay, it, may, may I say this? May I say this? Um, the other night, I looked up in in several languages. Um, uh, you know, the Tetragrammaton YHWH and the the um, translations of those in those languages that I did look up were all the same. So they all all were pronounced Yahweh. That means nothing. In, in the sense that that is more of a true name. No, than, not at all. God, it's not. It's not a true. God just, God just being a title, and God just being a title, just like mommy and daddy is a title. But when we say Yahweh, as far as his true name that he revealed to Moses on on the mount, that is his true name. That's that's not true. That's not true. So so so, so he does Jermaine. not have a true name. He does not have a go ahead. So hold on, I'm going to take a break and I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk just a little bit more with you about that fundamental error. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we're back. You back? You with me, Jermaine? Yeah, I'm here, Preston. Okay, yeah. Like I would never call you your main. I would never, I, I would never honor, I would never dishonor your English heritage, your English background, your English origin or the origin of your family. 
um, by dis- disavowing the English language as if somehow um, I am honoring you more by making the J silent as if somehow if you're not connected to the Aramaic or the Hebrew in terms of uh, utterance and um, enunciation of words, you're not close to God. That would be um, a fallacy of logic um, as re- as well as reason. I just wouldn't do it. And so when we get back to the notion of Jesus, the New Testament, actually in the Greek, it is Jesus. And uh, if you had actually been listening to my teaching over the years, you would have learned that in our, in our Greek class, that when you do the Greek alphabets, Yoda is our I, and it's, um, tr- it's translated in the English as a J, because it's the closest letter to the word J for English language in the history of the relationship between the o- Yoda and our J um, is a clear history, and it's a logical, uh, logical transition from the silence of the I to the more um, uh, firm, hard form of the J. So we go Jesus in English. And in other cultures around the world, other ethnic groups, they might go uh, Jesus or as in um, Espanol, Jesus, Jesus. So often the J is soft or silent in many ethnic groups, um, but it's firm in German and it's firm in English. And the firmness does not deny its significance or meaning. For instance, when a, a Greek person who uses the term Jesus speaking concerning Jesus or Yesu, um, and he hears me in English go Jesus, he fully well knows that I am speaking in English what he knows in Greek. And that would also be the case, Jermaine, with an Aramaic brother or a Hebrew brother who would be listening to me speaking in English, and he honors me as an English-speaking person, and he's hearing Jesse go, um, uh, Jehovah uh, uh, Rapha uh, is my salvation. He is my healer. Uh, I'm I'm using the English expression of Yahweh um, and Rapha, and he knows that the Aramaic uh, speaker knows that the um, the Hebrew person knows that. My banker, his name is Job uh, Ali. My banker, he's Aramaic, and when I go to the bank. Uh, his name is spelled with an I, Yobi, Yobi, um, because that's the way they would express Job in no, the. Sir, may, may I say something, Pastor? Okay, hold on if, for a second. Name, hold please, on. please, may I, may, may I cut in for for the, just this one second because I have a I have something to say about that. Sure. Um, if if, it, if his name is Yobi, um, and and we went ahead to translate that into English. And, and 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 did an English translation on that and called him something com- completely different than Yobi. Would that not be more or less of honoring than than to go along with the original name? No, and that's why I'm giving you an example. It would, I, it, it would not be less. It, it wouldn't. It would not be less honoring to to him, uh, the, though that he would love to be called his original name rather than the translation. He's smart enough to know. That what I am saying in English is equivalent to what he understands in Aramaic. He's not petty. Well, maybe, Listen. Maybe, maybe what, I, what I'm saying is maybe that he has never heard that name. I drive for Lyft. You, you, you realize I drive for Lyft and Uber, and, and I come into pe- people from all over the world, uh, being that they, you know, people love to come into San Francisco and, and, and visit. So uh, many tourists. And, and uh, usually, you know, uh, Yahweh would allow me to, um, uh, uh, minister to them on, on, on some type of level, uh, not always, but but usually. And 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 if I were to 
uh, how can I say this? Some people do not know the name Jesus that, that I found out, and I was very surprised. And, and but then if I if I were to say Yahweh or 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 Yahshua, and then and then they would say, yeah, okay, they they understood. But but here, I think in America, you know, we we normally use the name Jesus, which which is a little bit further away from the original translation, as far as what I know. Right. So you still fail to understand the point. Let's take, for instance, again, my friend Ollie, and and what we're doing in America is really great around this. Uh, Because a lot of Middle Easterners and uh, um, uh, 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 Arabic-speaking people, as well as some Hebrews, not a lot, because I told you the Hebrew Hebrew language is really speculative language today. That's why I don't pay much attention to the people who get caught up in how to articulate the term Yeshua or, or Yahweh or what have you, because those are all speculative expressions because the language vocally died out. It's just being re, re, reconstructed over the last several centuries through the Hebrew culture, so, so, but so, 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 so the English language J would even be more speculative. Not at all. So I'm it, gonna. It has to be if, if, we, it, if it's a if it's a translation. So think about think think about what you're doing. Think about what you're doing. Think, think mm-hmm. just got you just got to think, man. Think for a second. So, mm-hmm. do you believe that God allows different nations to speak in different uh, um, what we call ethnic? Um, genres or ethnic um, dialects? Do I believe that God allows... He has determined it. Say it again? That God has determined determined the different nations with their different dialects around the world. Uh, Yes, and and, and the amazing thing about that is, like I said before, I, I, I did a little bit of research on several languages, and the word Yahweh is the same in in every language that I, I probably looked up about six six of on, on Google, and in every language comes up the name Yahweh Y H W H except for the Jews because they translated it into Adonai, which is which is incorrect. Well, well, you're wrong about that. Um, but we're not going to go in that. And here's, here, let me share with you the error that you're making. I got, I got your argument. I, I, well, no, I, I got your argument about Adonai. Uh, like I said, I know what's going on with the secret name of Jesus and the rest of these guys. Like I said, the Hebrew language is all consonantal. Did you know that? What does that mean? It's all consonants. It's not vowels. Okay. You didn't know that. Um, no, actually, I, I just knew that. Uh, the, Jermaine, I don't know much about Jermaine. it. I do know that Yahweh. I do know that Yahweh does not have any vowels. Okay, so well, so now I want you to get this. I'm gonna spend a little bit more time with you. I'm gonna spend just a little bit more time, and then I'm gonna let you go. Um, so, like, you're not ready to argue about this. You're 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 in trouble. I mean, any linguist would would let you know that you're not ready, Jermaine, to argue with people about semantical expressions like the term Yahweh or Yeshua or, or whatever. You're just not ready. Most of those groups that are out there, they uh, a legitimate linguist from the Hebrew culture, true Aramaic culture, and even just a, a linguist in, in our English-speaking culture would recognize just the lack of clarity that goes on in their argumentation. So like when you say to me, um, I, I know that the word Yahweh um, uh, doesn't have vowels in it, what you what you just did was actually state Yahweh with vowel points because without vowel points, 
Awesome. That's not what I said. That's not what I said. I said I do realize the English language had to put those vowels in there so that we could pronounce his name. Otherwise, YHWH, is, we can't hear it. It's just like, and you cannot hear that at all. So in order to hear it, uh, the English language has to put the, the, the vowels in there to pronounce the Yahweh sound. But not only the English language, but the Hebrews themselves. Yeah, of course. So, so Definitely. stay, so stay but, with. But that is the name that that Yahweh had uh, uh, revealed to Moses when he was on the mount. But that was not the only name that God revealed to the people of God in Scripture. Period. To the, yeah. to, to the people of God in Scripture. Yeah. So, so watch this. <laughs> so, that was not the only name. Right. So now I'm I'm just going to give you. I'm going to give you one. Or, I'm gonna, Jehovah Jireh uh-uh. uh-uh. and all, all of those names. Uh uh-uh. uh. No. No. I'm not talking about that. Uh, okay. Yeah. So right, yeah, please. that's all right. So I'm gonna help you. No, no, if you can explain. I don't, I don't, I'm getting ready to do that, and then I'm gonna let you go. All right. So that's what I'm saying. You're not ready to. You're not ready to debate this issue with anybody. You you still got a bunch of study. To I, I do. think I am in the sense that I. I you shouldn't be debating. I, I you shouldn't be debating, uh, Tremaine. You shouldn't be debating. I, I think I'm okay with debating in the sense of I did research. Um, I did the little bit. Not of enough. That I did do. Not enough. So I so. I haven't, I haven't done enough. I, so I you am can't, new, you I can't, am new to this, you, you, but the, you can't the research that I, that I have done, I, I think I, at least I could say a few things about that. Right. So I'll just say this. You're actually not ready for a legitimate classical debate with anyone. You, you, you can actually mislead people because uh, when you're not fully ready, that's what you do in your zeal to talk about the name of God is Yahweh alone. So when Moses met God at the burning bush in Exodus chapter three, the Lord, this is our English translation of it, Yahweh um, revealed himself to Moses because Moses didn't know who he was as Yahweh. Who are you? He says, I am that I am. And that's the verbal form of the tetragrammaton. And we, when we use the term tetragrammaton, which is a funny thing for those groups who actually deny the Greek language, tetragrammaton is Greek. So the the use of the Greek terminology tetragrammaton is, is in order for us to bridge the gap between the Hebrew uh, Old Testament and the Greek New Testament, where we do use the word curious in the New Testament for Lord. But when we reach back in the Old Testament, the Tetragrammaton are the letters of that, that Hebrew phraseology, Y-H-W-H, and you know that four letters. What I'm stating to you is before that Exodus account, there's a whole book of Genesis from Genesis chapter one to Genesis 50, where God used the, where God used the term Yahweh um, before Moses and he used the term Elohim before Moses as well, speaking to Abraham and other of the patriarchs that preceded him, Joseph and, and, and what have you. And the new, in, in the, in the, the book of Exodus plainly tells that God revealed himself to Abraham as Elohim. And then he revealed himself to uh, Moses in the context in which God had called Moses as Yahweh. And you rightly expressed the different attributions to Yahweh, Yahweh Nisi, Yahweh uh, uh, Rapha, Yahweh, um, 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 all sorts of uh, expressions for Yahweh, El Elohim, uh, Adonai, El Shaddai. All of those terms are expressions for the character and nature of God. And they are names of God as well. That's why I say that you probably don't want to get into a debate with anyone until you are really comprehensively ready to talk about something as important as names. Because Isaiah chapter, so Isaiah chapter, now you just, 
Now, you just said something as important as names. And if the Yahweh uh, uh, name in the original is the original, and then translations from there, what my point is, is that we should not we continue to verbalize Yahweh. No, you know, no, God, no, because you're in your God, the title. No, you're because you give reverence to give reverence. To no his name and up with his name. No praises to his name. No. No, and I'm gonna tell you why. We shouldn't be. I'm gonna tell you why. Right, please. Yeah, right. You're telling everybody to go back to the Hebrew. I'm. 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 I'm, No. What are you telling? What are you telling them to do? I'm saying that we should uh, give reverence to whatever his, uh, as far as what I'm studying to to realize what his true name is. Why not go back to the original? His true name, his true, his true name, his true name. When I go into the grocery store, I do not want to pick a, a, a I want to go for the organic food. So the more organic um, that I can get towards uh, God's true name, I would love to uh, uh, choose that uh, okay. so name again, and honor him with that name and reverence him with that name and give praises to him with that name rather than uh, a translated name that is uh, 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 not so organic, is what, I, is what I'm stating. So, so, so again, uh, in the New Testament, where the apostles spoke in Greek, um, they were unorganic, they weren't as organic as the Old Testament saints? I'm, I'm saying, so, so, so God doesn't... That's a yes or no answer. Here. That's a yes or no answer. You said the you said can you say your uh, question again? I'm oh, sorry. So, right, the, so the New Testament. So, yeah. When you when you read in the New Testament where the Apostle Paul is 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 speaking, and he's using the Greek language because he's speaking to Greek speaking people. Mm-hmm. And as he speaks to Greek speaking people, which is largely the New Testament. A small measure of, of of Jewish people who also were Hellenized. That is, they only spoke the Greek language. When Jesus, when when the Apostle Paul uh, used the term Jesus, when he could have used Yeshua, Messiah, Jesus the Messiah, uh, from uh, from the Aramaic or the Hebrew, is he is he is he doing less of an honor by speaking the, the name of God in that cultural dialect because that cultural dialect can only understand it in their cultural dialect, or do they all have to? Do we all have to learn Aramaic and Hebrew in order to really be honoring God in His name? I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm, I'm not saying to honor uh, 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 that we have to develop the language necessary to be good, but when a person's name is 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 is, is uh, surrounded. All throughout the world, I don't believe that name. Well, really you, your premise like is flawed. Your premise is flawed again. Let me see if I can tell you. Say it again. If your, I go to China, if that, if I go to China, will they call me something different than Jermaine? That's exactly right. Jermaine, no, hold on. Jer- they will call you something different than Jermaine, but it's equivalent to your name, Jermaine. And the only reason that you wouldn't get it is because you don't know their dialect. But if they say something, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Re- I can't respond because you don't know you their know, dialect. Because you don't know their yeah. dialect. You are a barbarian. Yeah, 
No, you are a barbarian, but God is not a barbarian. And God gave us the different ethnic languages of one blood. Did he make all nations of men in the book of Acts chapter two? It was seven. It was 17 nations with 17 different dialects who heard the wonderful works of God in their own language. That's how they came. Well, so stop for a second. Stop for a second. Uh-huh. So that's why those of us who hold to the whole Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, Greek and Hebrew, don't continence a, rever- a revisionist reductionist argument that we need to get back to the original language in order to do God the greatest of honor. On the head of Christ, when he was crucified, he was said to be the king of the Jews. He was the king of the Latins. He was the king of the Greeks. Three names. And that's because he's the God of the whole universe, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit, and he's the mediator between God and man. So we don't have to actually argue about whether or not we are being more faithful or we're being more reverential by uh, trying to go back to the Aramaic or the Hebrew. I already told you that with those people that are trying to do that, they, they have an impossible task because of the many different dialectical genres, both in the um, Aramaic language and, and, and different Semitic languages to boot, uh, definitely with the Hebrew language because it was a dead language. So they're speculating. And and so what I would say to you is, is that really what you're doing is speculating. Now you'll get a lot of people who are more interested in, um, in, in the use of a name versus the meaning of the name and the substance of the name, which is really what the Bible is all about. Um, and, and yeah, there are a lot of people falling yeah, but, into that. But, 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 but if we look at, I'm sorry, not to, well, I, I got this it. is your last one. Okay, so if the name of Jesus does not have any uh, real meaning to it, but the name of Yahshua means Yahweh saves. What do you think Jesus means? What do you think Jesus means? What do you think Jesus means? Well, when I look up on, on Google, Google literally corrects me, and it will say the proper name, meaning the true name or the proper name of Jesus is Yahshua. No, that's not true. So I'm going to give you a Bible. I'm going to give you a Bible verse. That's what Google says. Google, Google is not the authority. Google will send you to hell. I know, but that, that's the little can I, can I give you a Bible verse? Jermaine, can I give you a Bible verse? Yes, sir. All right. Do you believe in the New Testament? Do I believe in the New Testament? Um, as of lately, I've heard that the New Testament is a lie. I don't, I don't stand on that. So now here's um, the problem. Now let me share something with you that's going on with you. And this is for the thousands right. of peoples that are listening. I'm going to share with you what I've been teaching. And, and, over the, and, so, not, not that, and, and please let me correct myself, not that the whole Bible is, is not true. I'm not saying that, but um, uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. That's, that is just something that I've heard, and I don't know anything else about right. that. Right, you, 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 you're losing it. I got to take a break. So just listen to me because I'm going to close out by talking about it. Bless you. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. All right, we're back. We've got about eight minutes in the program. I'm going to actually do a little bit of a commentary on this particular topic only because it's um, starting to sprout up and grow um, around the nation and around the world for several different reasons. So I won't be taking any other calls today. Um, the secret name of God is a movement that's been going on for a long time. It's associated with Unitarians. If you guys know anything about that, these are radical uh, anti-Trinitarian folks who um, deny the um, three persons 
of God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they will acknowledge that Jesus is a um, a prophet, um, a good savior. He will even uh, pay lip service to the term son of God, but it fundamentally, fundamentally means nothing more than uh, you and I being a son of God. And so there is a real denial there. And that goes way into some of the more political and social uh, um, conflicts that, that really take place in, in, in the Middle East and uh, in, in the areas of, uh, of Palestine and even, even among the Islamists as well. This is part of the driving trend towards the end of time, you guys. It has to do with um, um, a, a sort of an ecumenical movement away from um, the biblical truth of the true and the living God, his son and the spirit. Uh, and these are battles and debates that, that Christians uh, will have to learn how to engage in if they're going to hold on to their Bible. So I talk frequently about um, the art, the uh, warning that Jesus gives in Luke chapter eight, verse 18. Um, Take heed how you hear um, for what, what what with what measure you hear, it shall also be meted out unto you. If you aren't diligent in uh, learning the truth of the gospel, um, you won't be able to defend the claims of scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, and the enemy will be able to take your Bible from you. So there are some people who come into Christianity and they inherit the fundamental history of the church and its ability to defend heresy and false doctrine for the last 2000 years, affirm the veracity of Scripture and uh, the veracity of the New Testament, and therefore have the privilege of the New Testament revealing to us who God is in the person of Christ and who the Son of God is in all of his glorious offices uh, for the redemption of our salvation, as I had stated, uh, the Greek New Testament is that first evangelical effort on the part of God before he allowed the gospel to be understood in different ethnic groups and languages and dialects around the world. And John chapter 19, verse 19 says, and Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh the city. And it was written in Hebrew, that's Old Testament, and Greek, that's New Testament, and Latin. And that's further New Testament. It gives you the branches of the um, origins of the scriptures for us, the Old Testament and New Testament. And from that Latin language, did it move out into the other Germanic languages, English languages, and what we have today? And the branches of language etymologically can be clearly seen to to be coherent and linked together. So we don't have a problem with our English Bibles being so corrupted that we don't actually have the true word of God. So we talk about, uh, you know, linguistics and and rules of, 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 of grammar relative to the different ethnic groups. There's an equality between the uh, Greek expression of the term Yahweh in the Old Testament with the Greek term Kyrios. They would have known each other's terminology. There wouldn't have been a derivation or a uh, diminishing of significance of the term. So God does not demand that you learn Hebrew in order for you to be closer to God. Uh, Many heretics know Hebrew. Many heretics know Greek. Many heretics know English. Here's the problem with what's going on with that system. That system is actually taking the Bible away from people. And therefore, because it's taking the Bible, particularly the New Testament away, you don't have the Jesus that saves. Acts chapter four, verse 12, there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved, but by the name of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. So once you lose the Greek New Testament, all you got is the Old Testament. And the Old Testament means that you are taken back up under the law. 
Now, if that's the case, you've lost the cross. You've lost justification. You've lost regeneration. You've lost sanctification. You've lost glory. Because Jesus, as Matthew chapter 121, actually defines his name, which Jermaine didn't know. And they shall call his name Jesus, Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. And everyone knows that the Joshua term of the Old Testament is equivalent to the Jesus term of the New Testament. Nobody gets that wrong. It's actually used that way as Jesus in Hebrews chapter um, three, four concerning Joshua, of the Old Testament. There's no loss in the translation. We fully understand the Old Testament God in New Testament language. He's glorious. But once you get people taking your Bible away, you systematically lose your whole salvation and you get brought back under the Old Testament law. A pure monotheistic Unitarian theology will strip you of the Savior. The next thing you know, you're not only not believing in Jesus, you're not believing in the New Testament, you're believing in Moses. And this is exactly what Paul warned about in Galatians chapter five. Ye who desire to be under the law, you have fallen from grace. And we see this going on all over the place. In fact, here's the problem. The New Testament has been warning over and over and over again. That if you draw back from the gospel. That God has no pleasure in your soul. This is what Pete, uh, John was warning about in the gospel of, in the uh, in first John when he says they went out from us because they were not of us. Had they been of us, they would have remained with us. But it was evident that they were not of us because they departed from us. Whosoever denied that Jesus has come in the flesh is of Antichrist. And this is really what's going on at length. This debate will continue going on at length until people are discovered to either not really have Christ and thus abandon the gospel of the scriptures and fall prey to these secret names and mystical uh, languages that these different groups, and they are all contradicting themselves as gurus will draw you in. As Paul said in Acts 20, they shall come in and draw men unto themselves, speaking perverse things. This is called the takeaway principle, takeaway principle. Take heed how you hear for with what measure you hear, it will be meted out unto you. He that hath, more shall be given. But he that hath not, even that which he seems to have will be taken away. And if you look up one day and you believe that you don't need the New Testament, and once you did, and you don't need the Jesus of the Scriptures, but once you did, it's being taken away from you. And that's a real problem. So pray, and we'll see you next week. God bless. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.